Testing, testing, yeah, yeah. I can hear well. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, let me get this All right. Cool. Um, yeah, man. Uh, thank you for being here, making the time uh, to come. Um, I guess uh, before I like get into it, uh, do you want to just introduce yourself? Well, my name is Jim Self. I'm a Los Angeles freelance musician. I do a little bit of everything from composing to uh, jazz to uh, teaching at USC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, uh, uh, so, you know, I, you, you have taught um, like half of the planet. So <laughs> I know you probably don't like remember the, the details of the lesson you and I had uh, back in uh, May 2018. But before that, um, when I was applying to colleges um, in 20, sometime around late 2013, 2014, um, USC, Southern California, um, uh, or Thornton School of Music uh, was like my top choice um, in terms of where I wanted to go. But at the time, I, I just like, I did not have the structure <laughs> or like just the mental uh, maturity in, in any way to uh, make that happen, even if I could have financially like made that happen. But anyway, when I reached out to you, um, I, I emailed you and like I told you who I was and that I wanted to come to school and you like replied pretty quickly. And like you gave me your your number and we talked on the phone for like maybe um, 40 minutes. Wow. And yeah, yeah. And again, I'm like you, you, <laughs> you work with a lot of people. So I talk too much. No, <laughs> no, but that that's it. Hey, so do I. This is why <laughs> we're here. But um, you like, you know, you didn't you obviously you had no idea like what my talent level was at the time. But like you still answered every question that I had to the fullest extent. And then, of course, like I ended up going to. Peabody, because I grew up like 20 minutes outside of it. That's, you know, what I could afford. They gave me scholarship, uh, you know, the, the story you've heard before. And um, and then, you know, uh, May 2018, I graduate. And uh, as kind of like as a graduation present to myself, I then um, just come to L.A. for a week. Uh, first time coming to L.A., and I was like, well, there's no way I'm going to come here uh, without, you know, seeing you uh, for a lesson. But <laughs> I, all I could afford was because uh, my sister had like gotten me like she paid for my stay and uh, my flight here as a present. And like I couldn't even afford to pay the um, the uh, the tuba fee to, you know, to bring my horn here. And but I brought my mouthpiece and because uh, beforehand, when I connected with you before coming, you said that you had a, a tube I could use. And um, anyway, so then, you know, getting to that point, we have the lesson and near the end, I, I'll, I'll never forget this because this is why I feel like I've had a smooth transition um, to L.A. But you were just very real with me and we're like because you asked like what my situation was. Like, so I, basically I was I don't have a car. I didn't. I don't have uh, an F tuba. 
Um, and like, I, I basically just, yeah, I just, there was just so many things I, I were, I was missing. Um, and you were just like, man, the reality of this place, like, you know, um, when you come back, whenever, if you end up moving out here, just make sure like you have all these things that are going to help you succeed. And, um, you know, now I, I can say like all the advice that you gave me at the time, I, cause I knew in that moment, I really, really wanted to come out here, but I didn't want to, to rush it. So from that moment till last summer, uh, I, I just been planning, just saving and planning and saving, uh, to come out here, make sure I had all those things together. And, um, anyway, so that long story I just told, I, I told just cause, uh, um, I, I'm not sure you would like know how much of an impact you made, no, uh, positive you. impact. Like in terms, like I'm, I, I think that's why I'm here. Not only here today. I have a question for you. Yeah, yeah, sure. And the lesson I do kind of forget it. I remember yeah. your face and everything, yeah. but did you play well? Yes, <laughs> yes, I did. I did. Um, Which tuba did you borrow? It was the uh, the Miraphone 186. I okay. think, yeah, yeah, because I had the copy at the time, and um, I, uh, because, yeah, we, 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 I played you some excerpts, and we did, like, an improv thing going back and forth, and um, you were like, yeah, you know, you'd be a, a pretty decent candidate for uh, USC at the time, um, you know, which, which really, like, that, I was like, man, like, that's, that's really good to hear, and, um you know, I just want to know that, that I was positive with you. Yeah, 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 you were. That's, that's important to me. Yeah, and because cause the lesson wasn't just like, that was the first kind of lesson that I had in that style because you were, you, you made it clear. You're like, okay, you still really, really need to prioritize like excerpts and the solos, the stand, just the standards. And, and, but coming out here, there are just opportunities on the tuba that like other cities just... Uh, don't have, which means that there are m musically, there's just things that like I need to incorporate um, into uh, my practice sessions. So like I started like, I mean, I not really started then. I, I kind of did that anyway. But beforehand, I thought I was just like fooling around when I would be like jamming the songs with like the, the, the speaker playing music in the background. But then I, I kind of made it more like uh, deliberate. I would just like pick albums and new songs and just play along with it, improvise over things. And because um, I wanted to be ready. I was like, when I come out here, I just want to be able to play anything, any style. And uh, so, yeah, anyway, I mean, that that lesson. Well, that's a very important part in the way I teach. And yeah. Most people don't because they can't. Yeah. Uh, they're not used to improvising. They're not used to playing songs. Yeah. Most uh, most tuba players in the, all over the world are classical, of mm -hmm. course. Mm -hmm. And the way they've been brought up, they don't uh, they don't know how to uh, they don't their ears aren't developed. Yeah, they don't know. Yeah, I, yeah I've asked uh, professional tuba players to play uh, the Star Spangled Banner for me, mm -hmm. and uh, almost nobody can do it without making a mistake. Yeah. Now everyone in the world has sung that. Anyone mm -hmm. in America has sung that many times and never thought a second about it because it was Happy Birthday, many, many other songs, mm -hmm. Christmas carols, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's a very important part to me is to get people away from a written page and 
developing their ears, learn a lot of songs mm-hmm. and take take me. I'm sure I told you that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which, by the way, I got you. Let me like play the whole thing. I I got one note wrong. And it was, uh, oh, um, but was that the national anthem? Yeah, in the, oh, in the national oh. anthem. And it, in it, in like, not, I'm not, I'm not like trying to defend myself or anything. It's, it's that I like, I've heard it done, like if they're, if you're trying to like kind of be like cheeky. Uh, so it's the bum, 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 bum. So like, I, I decided to, to make it like a leading tone instead of like the actual proper, uh, uh, note. And uh, but you let me play the whole thing through, and you were like, "So close, <laughs> so close." Well, that's better than most. Yeah, hey, I, I'll take it. Um, well, because that that was my, I would I would say coming into um, j- just the conservatory, that was what where my strengths were: um, improv and just like just playing just all sorts of popular music. And then uh, it took a second to really develop that. Um, uh, I guess like awareness within classical music, uh, in like stylistic choices and all that. And, um, but yeah, that was coming in. That was like the stuff that I could do. But of course, going through a conservatory for some, like it feels like a, a, like a, unfortunately at the time it felt like a useless skill because like all, sure it wasn't, you know, yeah, no. And it wasn't because, because stepping away from the tuba, it was just, it's just helpful as a musician, but um, at the time, though, just because the priority uh, was classical music, I felt like, man, like I have these skills that like no one even wants. And then you come out here, and it's like, well, <laughs> I'm not sure they want it here either. But uh, yeah, yeah. But there's more openness to it. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. And there's no uh, what I would call barriers. There used to, you know, there used to be a a credible barrier between classical musicians and jazz musicians or commercial musicians, mm-hmm. if you will, and, and a, a certain snobbiness about the classical players that, that didn't accept that as legitimate music. Well, we know they're all fools, and we all know that uh, that uh, it's every 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 kind of music is important. Every kind. Yeah. Yeah. From African drumming to opera. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, um, that that I grew up in a. I'm the first musician like in my family ever. Um, I grew up in a. Um, uh, so my my parents came here uh, in the late '80s from Nigeria. So I'm first generation. That's good for and, you. Um, thank you. Yeah, and so, like I I grew up listening to. It's hard to explain this to like my like traditionally American friends, I guess, because like I, I grew up listening to every genre because like no genre was really mine because I'm I have this Nigerian like household so that was like for me I just explored every genre because like I unfortunately because I just noticed growing up that um genres were such a territorial thing in terms of like cultures like if you're white you listen to this if you're black you listen to this and I was like why why would you why would why would you like close the door on anything like it's my whole life has been trying to change that. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it, more so in, with my own success as a jazz player and improviser and composer. Mm-hmm. There and uh, I've been. It's a very important part of the way I teach. Um, and uh, although I, as we probably, as you know, it's still very, very important to have the basics and mm-hmm. uh, be a good symphony player because that's where the jobs are. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. There's not jobs being a jazz tuba player. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've I've created a certain element for myself through my albums and through my live performances, mm-hmm. but uh, it's still not a lucrative thing. It's not a yeah a, a way to make a living. It's it's an adjunct to what I do. Yeah. Do do you um I, I was I was like just wondering as just you know as we were leading up to 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 this discussion um have you have you felt like you can relate to other like major tuba players in terms of like your your career like i it, it seemed just just looking at what what you've done um i guess tuba players outside of la like is it is it like it, it's because it's it's just tough, man. You you just you just have a totally totally unique tuba career from ninety nine percent of other careers. So ha- have you felt like you like relate to other players that are just in the classical? Well, realm? oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I am a classical tuba player. Mm-hmm. That's how I make my living. Yeah. I play in four orchestras. Yeah, I play in the opera, LA Opera, and Pacific Symphony, and Hollywood Bowl Orchestra, and the Pasadena Symphony. Almost every week I have a symphony job or an opera or a ballet or yeah. something. Um, I don't do much studio work anymore. Mm-hmm. I've pretty much uh, ended a long, wonderful career doing yeah. that, over 1,600 movies, yeah. or almost 1,600. Wow. But uh, I... Uh, uh, and I actually have more time now, especially during the pandemic years, to, to work on my improvisation, which is a critical part of, of my, my identity. And, uh, uh, but I do make my living playing in, mm-hmm. ne- uh, next week we're going to do a performance of Oedipus Rex mm-hmm. at the uh, music center with the LA Opera by Stravinsky. Wow. And uh, we'd recorded it about a month ago. Yeah. But we're going to do a live, some kind of a live performance with, with a, a small audience or something. I'm not sure, mm-hmm. but, uh. So that's a pretty big gamut from that to rock and roll, yeah. which I take guitar, rock and roll guitar lessons. Right, right, yeah, yeah. Because you you play um, you play string bass at basically a professional level, um, and uh, a couple other instruments as well. And um, I guess like kind of like rephrasing that last um, question, uh, I think re- now I'm kind of realizing it, it's that. You, this is what I noticed too when we had that lesson that you, um, it's less about you as a tuba player and you have more of like, like just you, like an artist approach. Like I I remember you gave me a copy of one of your albums um, and like, you know, and you have multiple records out. And, and I just, that, that for me, I was like, okay, like this, this guy's not, not just a tuba player. And you don't just think of yourself as a tuba player. Like you, you behave like as an artist. Mark, I'd call it a musician. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, an artist to me is a specific thing. Mm. An artist, a composer and an improviser. Those are artists. Mm. Everyone else is recreative artists. Mm. An opera singer is a great artistic mm-hmm. person, but he's not the creator of the music. Yeah. But composing and improvisation are the art in mm-hmm. music. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was a young professor at the University of Tennessee in my 20s, I, they used to call me artist in residence. Mm. Well, that's bullshit. <laughs> I was 25 years old. Yeah. Come on. I, was, I wasn't an artist, yeah. and I was, certainly wasn't composing or improvising at the time. But I knew that that's where I wanted to go mm-hmm. in the long run. 
And uh, so I put, I made some major, when I was 38, I had played a show for a whole year on string bass and tuba. Mm. And it was black musicians. I was the only white guy. Wow. What an experience, man. Yeah. It was over here at the Westwood Playhouse in, uh, it's called the Geffen Playhouse now, near UCLA. Mm -hmm. It's a great gig, a union gig, eight shows a week for a whole year with John Hendricks, a very yeah. famous black uh, jazz singer. Yeah. And um, I realized at the end of that how bad I was as an improviser, mm. yeah, both on bass and on tuba. And uh, so I, I, I set myself at age 38, 25 years, to learn to be a pretty good improviser. Wow. That's a, a big commitment, 25 mm -hmm. years, and that meant to 63. See? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but during those years, I made many albums. Yeah. Jazz albums, and each one took me to a new level. Yeah. As a player, I made classical albums too, but uh, and uh, all kinds of stuff. But and uh, and then after a while, that I didn't start composing till I was almost fifty. Mm. Wow. And I wish I see I, when I was twenty, I wanted to compose. I knew it was important, mm -hmm. but I didn't. I thought you had to be a Mozart. You had to mm. think a whole symphony in your head. Mm -hmm. Well, anyway, by by the time I was in my 30s or something, I realized I started having stuff in my head. And I started, yeah. Once I had stuff in my head, then you can compose. Yeah. Yeah. Composing and, arrange, and uh, improvising are two sides of the same coin. Yeah. And uh, that's sort of what was my um, driving force in those 25 years. I'm well beyond those 25 years mm -hmm. now, but I have 18 albums, and probably 12 of them are jazz albums. Yeah. And... Uh, each one took me to a new place, and uh, uh, that doesn't mean I'm not a classical player as a living, and I have s several qu classical albums, too, yeah. three or four of them, and uh, I try to stay in good shape, you know, yeah. for, for my jobs and yeah. stuff like When I was busy in the studios, I would have three jobs a day and run my full head off. I didn't even have to practice because I was always in shape. Yeah. And I would only practice for a project, a recital or a uh, or a uh, recording, maybe. Mm. But uh, I, and you get used to in this town when you're busy in the studios. You get used to coming into the job, never seeing the music, and playing it perfectly, even in the rehearsal. Yeah. And that's what you have. That's a skill that not everybody has, or or can do. A, you have to be ready for it. Let's yeah. put it that way. Yeah. Is that you on uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm? No, okay. no, and nobody really knows who it is. Oh wow! And uh, I have, I have a, I don't know whether I should say this out loud, but uh, I've been looking for finding out who it was, and I have a feeling. Number one, it's not what I would call good tuba playing. <laughs> it's, but you know, that's that's part of studio work. Mm -hmm. I've had jobs where I had to sound like somebody else or, mm -hmm. or had to sound out of tune mm -hmm. on purpose because it was a junior high school band or something in the movie. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I have a suspect two things. If it's, a, if it's an L.A. guy, mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's not a particularly good tuba player mm -hmm. or he's faking it, mm -hmm. you know what I mean, mm -hmm. which is possible. Yeah. Or it's... Uh, it's uh, a scab job, yeah. a yeah. non-union job that nobody wants to, to talk about yeah. because then the union would get on them and 
and cause them troubles. Yeah. Which is, you're either in a union or you're not. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, it's a it's a conflict for young musicians. But yeah. I don't really know. Yeah. It's an interesting part of the show. There's no yeah. question about it. Yeah. No, because because um um it. it it sounds like, uh, to me, it sounds like someone who's, I, I don't know what level they would be at, like, just in general, but it sounds like a, a good player trying to sound comical, which, like, like, it sounds like the badness in it is part of, like, the comedic... Yes, and that's why I say it could be a good player yeah, doing it. Yeah, I mean, the parts are written out, so they had to mm -hmm. be able to play them, and... Mm -hmm. uh, um, Mostly, it's what they call bumpers, mm -hmm. little little licks between yeah. you know this this scene and the next scene, that kind of stuff. That's what that's what all the television is these yeah. days. Yeah, and uh, used to be we had live scoring. You'd have pretty much music all the way through mm -hmm. the TV show. You yeah. know, and now it's just little bits and pieces. It's boring as hell. Yeah, yeah. No, because yeah. there's one lick in it where like that's where it convinces me that it's a uh, at least a good player. It's like the the, um, it's like bum 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 that that lick. And, but like the articulation is like very 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 good. Yeah, I've heard some some decent stuff on it. Yeah. I like the show. It's yeah. a funny show, but uh, uh, it's uh, uh, there's also times when I wondered was it a uh, was it a a, a, you know, a sampled synthesizer, you know, but... That's a good point. Uh, although, I don't think so. Uh, yeah. It's pretty... Brass instruments do not work very well in samples. Yeah. And certainly in a solo way. Mm -hmm. But if it's comedic, it doesn't really matter. Right, right. You know? Yeah. And uh, so anyway, I don't know who that is, and I'd like to know, but I, <laughs> I don't want to... If it's some friend I know or a trombone player that doubles yeah. on bass on trombone, right. there's a bunch of them in this town. Yeah, uh, and he just doesn't want to be identified. <laughs> yeah. If it's if it's a really good musician, he certainly doesn't want to be identified. Yeah, yeah. man. So so, I guess, man. So your your what was I reading? Your your California journey started somewhere around seventy two, seventy three. Uh, I started. I was teaching at the University of Tennessee. I was in the U.S. Army band right okay. out of college okay. in Washington, and yeah. I lived there five years. And uh, I got a job at the University of Tennessee mm. teaching tuba and euphonium and basically built a whole class mm. there. It was brand new, mm. and I played in the quintet, played in the symphony, Knoxville Symphony. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to get out of there. I'd been in the big city, and so I started coming out to USC mm -hmm. to study with Tommy Johnson okay. on a doctorate. Wow. The DMA. I came out three summers, and those three summers um, I learned a lot. But uh, eventually, I had to have a residency to do a doctor a year, a year. So I took a year off without pay from University of Tennessee after my fifth year, and I came out and uh, I was here three months or less than that, and I was doing Fender bass gigs, lots of them. Mm. I was teaching a little bit of private lessons, including Norm Pearson, who was my first student. Wow! Wow! And uh, <laughs> in L.A. and uh, uh, and going to school full time, and I was yeah. making twice as much money as I was as a professor. Yeah. So I said bye bye. <laughs> See, television was real busy in the seventies. Yeah. It was lots of work, and I, Tommy. Mm -hmm. 
I was only in town two weeks, and I got a call to sub for Tommy on a television show, and it happened to have a a uh, tuba solo in it, mm -hmm. and uh, I just had my C tuba. It went up to B flat. It wasn't too high, but it was any solo is a little scary, yeah. especially if you're on your first job. Yeah. And uh, David Duke, the principal horn player on that session, he came up to me on a break and he says, says, hey kid, says you sound good. You're gonna do well in this town. Well, that lifted me wow. up. Yeah. And of course, thanks to Tommy, I got many, many gigs after that. Yeah, yeah. Man, that, that's, that's amazing. Cause it, 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 so to have played on, on 1600 movies, obviously that means that you know, to be, to keep getting called back, it means you're on top of your game and you're you're just really uh, doing it. I, I mean, I, just just seeing some of the movies you've you've played on, um, it's just it's just mind blowing, man. Like it, it, in in this in the sense, like when while you were doing all this stuff, did you did it feel as significant? as it does like on paper now, just like to, you're looking back and just seeing well, those movies? Yes and no. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, uh, I was only here a short while and I got a call to play second tube with Tommy Johnson mm -hmm. on, uh, uh, on uh, 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 Taxi Driver. Mm -hmm. There were two tubas wow. and yeah. the composer was Bernard Herrmann. It was his last film. We finished on Christmas Eve at six o'clock. He went home and died that night. Mm. But he was the famous composer that did all of uh, Hitchcock's films. Mm -hmm. Anyway, and shortly after that, I get a call. It was 1976, after I'd finished my doctorate, just by a month after I finished my doctorate. Uh, I get a call from to come to Warner Brothers and do a, a double session with John Williams. And mm. I said, yes, of course. Yeah. And uh, this is, I, no, nobody knew much about John at that time, but... Uh, uh, Tommy was his tuba player. Mm -hmm. Well, Tommy was on vacation, yeah. and it turned out to be the Close Encounters uh, uh, conversation, this, this uh, little section that was up, done as a pre-score before the movie was made. They tried to make some other versions with Tommy and some other instruments, but they, they couldn't sync them up. Mm -hmm. So it was a big break for me, yeah. only being here two years. And shortly after that, I became a principal player in... Uh, movies and stuff and got time and a half mm -hmm. and so on. Mm -hmm. And uh, one thing led to another. Yeah, yeah. Must and then it... later on, mm -hmm. uh, uh, in 1990, John hired me to do Home Alone. Right. And I, mean, I had done some subbing for Tommy in those other those intervening years uh, on sometimes second tuba, with John, I mean, mm -hmm. and, or subbing when he was busy. And uh, so I get called for Home Alone, and that turned into a... Incredible full of solos. Yeah. And from 1990 on for 25 years, I was his principal player. Yeah. Which, big deal. Yeah. And not not only that, but that put me in touch with other major composers mm -hmm. that started hiring me as first call. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, um, uh, and that's the way the business works out here. You know, if I'd turned any of those jobs down because it was Tommy's job, mm -hmm or anybody else, then I would have been a fool. Yeah. Because the next guy, you'd have gone to the next guy. Yeah. And the next guy would have maybe been John Stuba player for 25 years. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. That, that's, dude, that's really cool. Um, it, it must have also been like, 
from when you started to obviously now to just see the movie, just Hollywood as a whole, just grow into, because it wasn't like, I mean, now you see things like Avengers, you're, you know, they're comfortably like, you know, we'll toss a quarter of a billion dollars to this movie to make it because we know the return is going to be eight times that. So, but, but it wasn't always like Hollywood wasn't always like this massive machine. Like obviously people have always loved movies and TV shows, but did, did the growth of the industry as a whole affect just like the significance of being a studio musician in any way? Did it, did it? Well, I can tell you very briefly that, you know, there used to be a contract orchestras mm -hmm. back in the forties and fifties mm -hmm. after the war up until about 60 that, uh, each, I think it was seven or eight or orchestras, mm -hmm. MGM, Warner Brothers, 20th Century Fox, so on. They all had orchestras, and mm -hmm. that's the only jobs you were allowed to work. Okay. You couldn't do other freelance things. But that's ended around 1960. Television started coming in big time. Mm -hmm. And that's where all the work was in the 70s and late 60s. Mm -hmm. And that's where Tommy got his big break, too. And... Um, and um, Movies weren't that big in those days. Yeah. And when I say they weren't big, they had been big in the 30s, 40s, 50s, but not tuba solo-wise. Right. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I think uh, Roger Bobo had done Fitz Willie with a big solo for, for John Williams. Yeah. Tommy did uh, Jaws. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but, okay, but television was the big thing. Mm -hmm. In 1980, we had a strike to get mm -hmm. residuals in for television, and we lost the strike. And during those five months we weren't working, they found their music from students, from uh, synthesizers, from uh, foreign sources, a couple of scab orchestras in, in the country. And uh, anyway, television was done, yeah. in a sense. So there's, there's always been some television, mm -hmm. but very few with, with uh, orchestras, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, the Simpsons has gone on. For right. years, that's yeah. that's been a tuba-based trombone job, which was Tommy's. Yeah. I think Bill Reichenbach does it mostly now, but I've done many of those as a sub or as whatever. But uh, it's not much television. Yeah. So about six years for me in the 80, early 80s, first five or six years of the 80s, I was really struggling. Mm. But that's when I made my first two albums too. Oh, yeah. my first, uh, and they were both jazz. One was a straight-ahead jazz album with harmonica player. And the other second one was kind of a fusion album where I actually played bass and put tubas on and EVIs and all kinds of yeah. stuff. Wow. That's called New Stuff, <laughs> that album. Yeah. But uh, 86 is when my life really turned around. That was um, when I got hired to be the tuba player for James Horner, big-time composer. Mm. And I was with him for 28 years. John Debney and, uh, and James Newton Howard... I started being their principal players, and then John Williams in 90. So, but television was pretty much dead through all that time. I did a few things, but mm -hmm. mostly it was movies from that point on for mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. And they're the, the best things because there's residuals mm -hmm. in that, and there's, right. uh, there's big money in a way. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and in terms of like the, the, the business of it all, um, 
how, how much of that is on you as an individual? Are you just like given a contract and it's like either accepted or not? Like, is there a middle ground somewhere there? Well, studio musicians don't have agents. Right. Composers do, maybe even orchestrators do, but rarely it's, it's just, we're just, we're on a list, mm-hmm. usually either, either the composer's list or more likely the contractor's. Mm-hmm. And there have always been major contractors. Used to be one at every studio, and then there were, right. uh, then there were, uh, it got kind of narrow, and there were fewer of them. And those people control almost all the work. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sandy DeCrescent was uh, the, the the most uh, visible person. She contracted for all the people I may named, and, and and many many others. She was very busy and gave me lots of breaks. I really appreciate her mm-hmm. her help in my life, but. It's, you know, you get to know that, and once I became close with the composers, too, or they wrote solos for me or something, and if they liked it, I'd be called back. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't play well on your very first job, you won't be called to the second job. Yeah. And uh, it's, in a way, it's nerve-wracking. Yeah. And you ask about all those movies, well... You know, I have a list on my website, it's quite a it's got dated now, but... Uh, uh, 300 movies that I think were, were the um, ones I remembered as being either t- tuba solos mm-hmm. or, or good, really good brass parts or, or, or uh, just important scores mm-hmm. that I worked on. Mm-hmm. And of those other 1,200 or so, mm-hmm. most of them are forgettable. Yeah. <laughs> I remember one time going in to do a, a movie called for a double session over at Warner Brothers. And I sat there all day the very end of the day at 6 o'clock, they pulled up a cue, had one note on it, a low, a low C, which I could play without even putting my finger down. Yeah. And I got paid for a double session. Wow. And that's, I, now that movie is, is forgettable mm-hmm. to me. Even, mm-hmm. though, even I don't remember whether it was an important movie or not. Yeah. It certainly wasn't an important tuba part mm-hmm. that day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That, that's, that's, it's, it's, yeah, that, that, that's interesting in that... Um, it's not, there's this, it seems to be like such a wide v- variance of, of that. Like, it could be the biggest movie in the world, but if, if the part is insignificant uh, or, or whatever, like, like there's no correlation whatsoever between like the, the magnitude of it all, like the film as a whole and like no. the parts. It's just. You have to realize you're just a little cog in the wheel. Right. You're not particularly important in the big sense. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, most of the time, the tuba parts are boringly easy. Mm-hmm. A student could do them. Mm-hmm. Often, the writers will write, they'll double the string basses, mm-hmm. including the th- things that tubas don't do well, like like turn, move the bow and play l- notes mm-hmm. for 10 bars and yeah. hold it out. You know what yeah. I mean? You have to breathe. Yeah. And they don't know this. I mm-hmm. uh, also will be very blunt about this. Uh, in recent years, there's not been as many what I would call really good composers that mm-hmm. know how to orchestrate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They come up playing rock and roll, maybe, mm-hmm. or they came up uh, playing keyboard or mm-hmm. something. Uh, some of them are what we call hummers. Mm-hmm. They, they don't even write the music. They hum, oh. it, hum it, and some <laughs> somebody else, orchestrator, will put it down. Yeah. It's been... The, the, the people like John Williams and Jerry Goldsmith and and uh, James Newton Howard and the other guys, Horner, those guys... That's almost. There's not very many of them around. Yeah, yeah. and and they're big budget guys. 
you know, they they uh, they had big films, mm -hmm. big. They made a lot of money, and mm -hmm. uh, so and they became famous films, most yeah. of them. Yeah, it it seems like um, I, I listen to uh, even like movies or TV shows that I don't actually get to like to like eventually get to watch. Um, I listen to all the soundtracks to just to everything. Um, just because, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a nice, like, you, you know, sometimes you, you gotta, uh, you can't just be like Mahler 5 all the time. You just want to listen to, you know, something a little bit more uh, playful, for lack of a better word. And, and um, uh, anyway, I, I have, I feel like I've noticed um, that things have become a little bit more, uh, like, more chamber-ish than, than like a full orchestra, like, back in like John, John Williams, like prime, I guess. Um, obviously things, you know, with technology are becoming uh, more produced than beforehand. Um, and, uh, yeah, which, you know, of course things change, everything changes as, as time goes on. But, um, I will say like right now, um, like I think my favorite composer, uh, right now in the film world is Nicholas Brattel. Uh, I don't know if you like the. I've not worked for him, no. Okay, but did, but you know who I'm, I'm. I've heard the name, but I don't. That's most I know. I don't even know what films he did. But, okay. Uh, Do you remember the uh, the Vice film? Um, it's based on on Dick Cheney. Uh, that was. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He did that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like very very orchestral, um, but still done in like that new school way. It's done really really well. Um, and then the TV show on HBO Succession. Um, that's also him. But like he incorporates like the production and the orchestra. Well, he's 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 one of the really talented people yeah, yeah. that are coming up. Sometimes the USC has a quite a film writing school and they uh, scoring mm -hmm. a, a degree, a mm -hmm. master's, mm -hmm. and uh, the people come out of that are, are quite talented mm -hmm. from all over the world. Yeah, and they often go home and they do films in their own uh, countries. Uh, but uh, uh, they're learning the correct way to write. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. things, movies are much sparser. In the old days, if you listen to a movie from the 40s, there's wall-to-wall -wall music. Mm -hmm. Every, they just, all the way through the movie. Mm -hmm. Now, this last film that we worked on with John Williams, the uh, Star Wars 9, right. that's wall-to-wall -wall music. Yeah, wow. And he had many, many sessions on it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and uh, anyway, that's rare. Mm -hmm. Now it's much more sparse. Mm -hmm. They'll just they'll just orchestrate some action thing or maybe a, a transition, mm -hmm. and it's a lot of space in a movie with no music under mm -hmm. it, mm -hmm. just dialogue mm -hmm. or acting. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's more more common than it used to be. Yeah, yeah. That I like that. Like the way that because I've I've always I've been aware of that, but I've never defined it. Like you you call it wall to wall. Um, and I know I noticed that with uh, Toy Story Four that there was a because I I was watching it with some non musicians and I was like freaking out the whole time in a good way because I was like man the 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 music is so much more active with like the the actions of the characters like like there is there is like music for every little thing like just constantly throughout the whole movie and. Um, uh, uh, that was Randy Newman, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. and it, you know, like it's okay if someone 
it's like Woody jumps from the table to the ground. Like there's something written for all of that stuff. Well, that's that's the that's the art of mm -hmm. the business. Now, mm -hmm. I I have recently written a couple articles and had some interviews about John Williams, mm -hmm. who I had a 40 year relationship mm -hmm. with, really. And I think his Star Wars nonad, if mm -hmm. you will, nonad. Is uh, is his is his ring cycle? Mm -hmm. Wow! And and mm. uh, if you know the ring cycle, which I luckily got to do with the LA Opera a few years ago, once in my lifetime probably, um, he wrote forty-one light motifs, which you probably learned in graduate school. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, they're themes for every character in the operas. Mm -hmm. They they're recurring, and I I have a feeling that it's that it's. Um, uh, it's like it was all all sixteen hours of the of the ring cycle. Mm -hmm. It's almost like he took these four forty one themes and just made arrangements. Yeah. Everything yeah. else is an arrangement yeah. based around these characters. Yeah. Now movies are opera. They're mm -hmm. the opera of the of the current time. Mm -hmm. And music is an accompany. I mean, in a, we're we're not the the, the star. Mm -hmm. We're the accompaniment, like we are in the pit in the opera. Mm -hmm. We're not the stars, yeah. and uh, that's. But uh, to, to me, that that that's uh, the way the way things have. When I think about John's nine movies, mm -hmm. I think there's going to be. Uh, uh, he did the same thing. If you think about it, mm -hmm. there's a theme for Leia, and there's a theme for Han Solo, and mm -hmm. there's you know all the characters. And yeah. I don't know whether there's forty one or how yeah. many, but there's a lot. Yeah, and he and he brings it back. And I, I have a prediction, and I may be totally wrong about this, but I think that symphony orchestras and other things are going to have what I call like ring cycle. Mm -hmm. Let's have two weeks of, of John Williams' nine movies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Bring them into the concert hall. Yeah. And, uh, and it's going to be that big a deal yeah. for John and for the music world. Yeah. And those kind of gigs, by the way, in a symphony these days where you, you do live orchestra yeah. performances of movies, very big cash thing for yeah. the orchestras. They make a lot of money doing those. So yeah. you watch, I'll bet you. In your lifetime, you're a young man. Yeah. In your lifetime, you're going to see uh, the John Williams cycle, if yeah. you will. Okay? Yeah. 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 Um, he He's... Uh, I, I've I've always uh, been so impressed with his music because he, to me, has always been like the um, like I would I would put him in the like music history books like the classical music history books as like I wouldn't separate film composing and classical music so much in that I think he's a perfect example of like uh, well all of those composers were composers for their time and he is just a composer for his time I would put him in that same progression absolutely like he it, it is it is just as sophisticated as um, composers that have come before him in terms of like detail and the voicing awareness and all that stuff. Like there's really no, besides like it having a purpose, there's no, um, uh, uh, real difference, you know, like there, there's, a um, I think, and, and it's not one of his more famous ones for some reason, his, my favorite 
theme of his that he's made is uh, in the terminal. Um, like the, it's a scene. Um, Tom finally gets to Tom Hanks. He finally gets to, like go home. He's been stuck in the airport all the time, and it's like the da da dum ba dum ba dum. But it's so so beautiful. It's a tie between that and and Home Alone. The scene with the the choir. Um, what's the chorus? It's like Starline, Star. Yeah, yeah that um, man. It he he has because mm-hmm. I think it's I think it is an injustice to. He has like some all-time great themes that goes up against all-time composers. Oh yeah, I don't think it's fair to just put him in that like film composing box. Well, there has been a like a prejudice against film composers. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 in fact, uh, this is a st- I hope I'm repeating this correctly, mm-hmm. but John was conductor of the Boston Pops for mm-hmm. several years. Well, the Boston Symphony members were kind of poo-pooed him. Mm-hmm. They treated him when they, they play his own music, mm-hmm. which he did a lot of. They didn't think it was up to their symphony standards, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I heard that he actually had a uh, sit-down with the whole orchestra one time and almost cried. He was so hurt by this, the way they treated him. And from that point on, they loved him. Wow. He was, I think, going to quit even because he, he wasn't been treated like, because and they, there was the built-in prejudice against film composers mm-hmm. that that is a lesser art. Mm-hmm. Well, in his hands, it's no lesser art, as we know. Yeah, yeah. If you tried to play any of those movie scores as a concert mm-hmm. version, which I've done a few of them, they're hard. Yeah, Because yeah. when you record a movie, you record it in pieces. You don't record it in two yeah. hours. Yeah, wall to wall. That's a killer on the brass players. Yeah, yeah. That that I mean. Um, of course, you know, uh, there are many examples of how, uh, and this is my community. I'm a a musician. I'm definitely a classical musician, uh, in terms of just like, just a snobbiness to like gatekeeping. That's the the correct term of like, this is right. This is, uh, the standard or whatever. And like, he, he, I think, I think to some degree, there's, there just, there's at least a little bit of envy in that. Um, I, I was talking to my my roommate Ben, uh, and <laughs> we were both like mind blown because I realized I was like, man, like most people's exposure to a string quartet is that small scene in Titanic. Like just, just most people, they will never actually like go about deliberately listening to a string quartet, but that is their concept of like chamber playing just fundamentally like for strings. And there's got to be some envy to their like being like so much uh, uh, notoriety to these themes that like, I guess maybe classical composers, like strictly classical composers or people in classical music, like. Um, just it being so known, but anyway, I mean to conclude this point, I mean, like Star Wars um, uh, is probably the most known. Like it doesn't come up on classical auditions. It is probably the most known brass thing ever. It just probably is. It doesn't it, mean it's it the very is. best, no, but no. it just yeah. It is, you know. And uh, if you think about it, uh, there isn't a second. Mm-hmm. 
that John Williams' music isn't played somewhere around the world. Yeah. In an orchestra, in a movie theater, mm -hmm. in a, um, a symphony concert, mm -hmm. uh, in a um, whatever, mm -hmm. you know, on CDs. Mm -hmm. And every mm -hmm. second of that, he gets, he makes money. <laughs> Every you know one of the things I did was a theme song mm -hmm. for for uh, uh, NBC. Bum 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 bum. Wait, you wrote that or no played? no I okay, played I was... in the orchestra. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah. John wrote that wow. and and that was and every year we get residuals on mm -hmm. that. It's great, mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's been playing for many years. That's so identifiable with NBC that uh, you know it's. And it was great doing yeah. it. And and there's some videos about it, by the way, on YouTube, I think, about mm -hmm. the sessions we did on that. Yeah. And uh, so uh, he's he's so much more prolific than any other person. Mm -hmm. One of my other favorites was Jerry Goldsmith. Uh, I loved his writing. And he did his, his films were different. Every film had a different kind of vibe to it. Mm -hmm. John seems to, he seemed to get a... You can identify his style, mm -hmm. if you will. Mm -hmm. Okay, even though he can do anything too, yeah. from rock and roll to uh, opera. Okay? Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, he um, Jerry Goldsmith mm -hmm. uh, wrote so many great films. Now Tommy was also his tuba player, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. he went on a recording session in Florida doing the nut doing the. Uh, um, um, what do you call it? Uh, 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 Tubby the tuba. Yeah. With the orchestra in Florida, and while he was gone, I get this call for a movie called Dennis the Menace. Yeah, and there's probably more tuba solos in that movie than even Home Alone. Yeah. Now, when he came back, of course, Tommy was still his tuba player, but uh, I got to do all the all the tuba playing in that movie, and um, big deal for me. Yeah, you know what I mean. It yeah. was one of those, what I call a lucky break. Yeah. Close Encounters was a lucky break. That was a lucky break. Yeah. Thank God he, he sounds like he likes his vacation. So, that's, that's, well, the, he yeah. knows something. I, he hardly ever took another vacation. Wow. He was so upset with himself about it. Yeah. Wow. But, uh, and that wasn't a vacation, that was a job. Okay. My understanding was that Gene Procorny got called to do it, and Gene, mm. Gene had been his student, so he he turned a it was a Naples Philharmonic, mm -hmm. uh, and um, he went. Gene turned it down and says, "Get Tommy." Of yeah. course, Tommy had been one other recording of Tubby, but this was all four versions mm -hmm. with Manhattan Transfer. Mm -hmm. Very interesting recording. Yeah. But because of that week, uh, he. Uh, he actually even took my tuba and played mm -hmm. my small F tuba on it, mm -hmm. the 621 Yamaha. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and of course, it sounds wonderful. But mm -hmm. uh, luckily, I got a break there, yeah. see? And those little things, I feel more than lucky. My first break, though, in my career was right out of college at Music Ed Guy. I got out in the middle of the year. I, I, I got a U.S. Army band. Mm -hmm right out of college, and I got thrown into the Army Band section with Chester Smith's in it, Dan Parentoni, Bob Planch, a couple other older men, and that made me a pro, mm -hmm. not a teacher, nothing else. Mm -hmm. I was a player mm -hmm. from there for the rest of my life, and mm -hmm. that's how I identified myself. Yeah. And that was a break. Yeah. I've had a few of those in my life. How do you get breaks? Somebody like a young man like you, how yeah. do you get a break? Well. 
play your ass off every time you pick up your horn. Yeah. Be a nice person. Yeah. You've seen my my article probably on mm -hmm. uh, on uh, studio tuba mm -hmm. playing. Mm -hmm. well, you don't know that guy sitting next to you, that bass trombone player, may be the contractor next mm -hmm. year. Mm -hmm. And you you got you know you can't be a snob and, unless you have a major job and you have tenure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's I, I was I was gonna like at some point um, ask about that because that from a teacher perspective has to almost be like frustrating in a way that, um, like trying to articulate that to students, uh, how, how much like the person you are ties in to all of this. Um, and, and of course, like, like the bare minimum is that you're really good at what you do, but like being, um, just being like a, a member of your community, being a good hang, um, and and just like making you know people feeling comfortable around you. Very very important. yeah very important. And uh, you want people to like you. And uh, I have a motto that I live by. Mm. It's called uh, do what you say you're going to do, mm. finish what you start. Yeah, that's how I got a doctor's degree. I yeah. finished what I started. I mean, I didn't need that degree. Yeah, it yeah. didn't help me get a gig ever. Yeah, but it was personal mountain for me to climb. Mm -hmm. You know. But uh, the uh, uh, this town is different than any other place in this that sense because it, it really there's only enough work for a few people, yeah. Yeah. and everybody wants that work, and uh, there's room for one or two tuba players. Yeah. And in the busiest times when I was new in town, there maybe three or four guys were were doing the work, but. And of course, back before that, there were the orchestras, and there were quite yeah. a few more tuba players. But uh, it's it's all different now. Mm -hmm. It's a one or two tuba of town now mm -hmm. in, in studios. Mm -hmm. Everybody, yeah, yeah, in town does other work. Mm -hmm. They teach. They uh, they they play orchestras. They play mm -hmm. chamber music. Mm -hmm. They maybe they play jazz or whatever. Mm -hmm. They do other things mm -hmm. to to uh, cobble together a freelance living. Yeah. Yeah, but their chances of getting a break or your chances of getting a break are almost accidental mm -hmm. to start off with, so play good, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and be a good person. Yeah. People, people, if they like you, that's part of why they call you back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's, uh, I, I, I imagine it can also just get so easy to be caught up in, the politics of it all in oh, that like like for me at least where i'm at right now um it's like I, I i've always been a people person so um it's like okay just keep doing that in terms of just how i am but i just know like being really 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 good is the bare minimum and it, i just feel like if you get concerned about the the business of it all and like oh like who do i need to know who do i need to know um you're there's a there's a chance that you're just even if you did get there like if somebody just called me right now like am i actually ready like that that's that's you're probably ready you, you you know you're probably ready as far as being a player and yeah. you're certainly a nice young man so yeah so with those things i mean i don't i i have can't i'd have to hear you on a job to mm -hmm. make any judgment about right. it but uh 
you might get a break. Mm -hmm. But there's about eight other tuba players here in town with mm -hmm. doctor's degrees and everything mm -hmm. else, you know, that if are struggling to get one job, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Who gets the breaks? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Now, when I came, I took a big chance quitting a college t job where I was, I didn't have tenure, but I was due, due to have tenure the next year. And uh, to come out here and freelance. Yeah. But at the time, Roger Bobo and Tommy Johnson were the king of the hills. And I, I took a chance playing in the same sandbox with these guys because mm -hmm. they're great players. Yeah. But part of it was studying with them. Part of it was uh, putting together the LA Tuba Quartet with those guys plus Don Waldrop. And this all connected me in ways. Mm -hmm. I hosted an international tuba conference in 78. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And all this hard work gave me an identity. The other thing was, I, one thing I knew I had that Roger and Tommy didn't have, as great as they are and were, um, I had the commercial end of it. Mm -hmm. I, I was a good bass player. Mm -hmm. I, was, I knew chords and changes and mm -hmm. could improvise a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I knew the feels. Yeah. I knew how to play a samba. Yeah. I knew how to play a, uh, a rock and roll backbeat or whatever mm -hmm. you might have, or a polka, or all kinds mm -hmm. of styles, which is very important mm -hmm. to be versatile that way. Mm -hmm. And I'd done a lot of Dixieland when I was young mm -hmm. in Washington, mm -hmm. and sousaphone. And so I knew bass lines. I knew how to, how to walk and how to play two beats and whatever. I knew a lot of tunes. Yeah. These guys didn't have that. They had everything else, though. Yeah. Way better than me, technically, and yeah. range-wise, and everything else. But I also think that I had a pretty nice sound mm -hmm. that people liked. Mm -hmm. It was melodic. So I took a chance, and it worked. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've talked to many young people like yourself who come and take a lesson with me. I tell them, I'm real straight with them. Mm -hmm. Just, you can come and try. You know, you can put yourself in the hat, but... Uh, so many things are, are in very, you can't, you can't quantify them. Mm -hmm. You have to live them, I mm -hmm. guess, you mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. There's so many fine tuba players around now, the whole world, thanks to Americans, by the way. Yeah. After the war, people like Roger Bobo and, and uh, uh, Bob Tucci and Mel Culbertson, they went to Europe mm -hmm. and they trained a whole you know, all these conservatories, mm -hmm. young students, they turned around and became the best player in France mm -hmm. or Italy mm -hmm. or Germany. And then they had students. And now the whole, every orchestra in the mm -hmm. world has got a good player, mm -hmm. it seems. It's not like when I was young, we didn't, there weren't that many good players mm -hmm. around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, any person I always just assumed when I was got out of the Army band, that, you know, I'll, I'll be able to get a gig. Yeah. You know, I just assumed it. And yeah. I didn't get an orchestra job, but I only auditioned once. Yeah. It was San Francisco. Yeah. But uh, it's really not my cup of tea. I play plenty of it, but I don't have to do it every day with the same right. people. Or, uh, and, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's much more enjoyable yeah. that way. Yeah, well, yeah, because the act of playing the music is entirely different than the lifestyle of, like, being, like, in it all the time. Because you can just play it and enjoy the music, but like really being a full-time orchestral uh, player, that's like a, it's just a, it's a lifestyle that you're either like built for, like you really want to do it, or you just know like this week I want to do this, 
maybe tomorrow I want to do this. And, but yeah, they, they, um, yeah, even, I mean, even just being able to, to see uh, Aubrey, like while I was in Baltimore, uh, his uh, first year with the BSO and just seeing like the demands of it, because um, that's a 52-week orchestra. Yeah, well, you know, he's one of the best. Yeah. And yes. uh, I knew it when he studied with me. Mm -hmm. He was playing the John Williams ahead of most people I know. Mm -hmm. And uh, and uh, he, uh, but that kind of player, mm -hmm. I can assure you, in in... In one of my jazz solos on one of my albums, yeah. I play more notes than he plays in a year. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true. And there's nothing in a symphony arc. I played everything. Mm -hmm. Every Mahler symphony, everything you can imagine. I played Salome at the opera and mm -hmm. Electra and everything tough. And uh, all the stuff, all the Stravinsky stuff, mm -hmm. everything. And... Uh, The hardest stuff is is once you can sort of master it. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm 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 a, little, I'm a little scared to go out and play. A, a, I don't do Beedlow anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I screwed up enough times that I don't want to mess. I don't want to be embarrassed. Euphonium mm -hmm. players want the double, mm -hmm. so uh, uh, I'm in good company there. Well, Norm Pearson didn't either, or neither Gene Picorni. Yeah. So uh, it's not yeah. a tuba. It's not yeah. a tuba part. Yeah. But. Uh, I don't want that kind of heat anymore, mm -hmm. and um, and so. But a symphony is not hard, yeah. Except for these few little solos mm -hmm. once in a while, mm -hmm. Petrushka maybe or mm -hmm. something. You know what I mean? Most of them are just piece of cake, mm -hmm. and uh, it's it's other things that you need to master in an orchestra. You know, good intonation, good rhythm with your colleagues, mm -hmm. and uh, and uh, style, and mm -hmm. and. Uh, nice sound, projecting your sound, and so on. This, yeah. th these are elements that are important, and yeah. guys like Aubrey have mastered it, Yeah, and they've mastered the audition process, too, yeah. which is... Yeah. I never did. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, it, it seems like doing anything um, at the highest level, uh, whether that's sports, music, anything, like it, it seems like two things are... Basically, one, being able to do it at a high level when told to at any time. You're just, you can just execute at that level all the time. And two, just like the, the subtleties and nuances of everything just being, yeah, you just have to be very aware. It's like, it's like a, when you see like a great basketball team playing in sync and they, all the players know like the subtleties and the little things that everyone else is gonna do. Like he steps over there. So I know I don't even have to look. I can just like, like, like there, there's a, because I, I again, I mean, not that I've, I'm, you know, I, I have this big job so I can speak from experience, but I just imagine that you, the audition and the way you play it there, it's this like standalone thing with no like other variables affecting it. But then when you actually in the job, there's like a, like a, in a real time, like a sensitivity you have to the players. And that's, that's so important. And, uh, you know, uh, auditions are so unreal, but they say that nobody's come up with a better way. Mm. Uh, the one of the cool things I like about the Pacific Symphony is, uh, we don't. We have all our auditions behind the screen, mm. finals included. Uh -huh. So you can't pick somebody out because they're or deny somebody because mm -hmm. they're black or mm -hmm. a woman or, mm -hmm. or a minority or something, mm -hmm. or, or your friend mm -hmm. that might be working in the studio with you right. that day. Right. You have to be p 
pick them because they played good. Mm -hmm. And uh, conductors don't like that. Mm -hmm. They want to have an open final, and most orchestras do. Mm -hmm. But I really appreciate it, and I must say the people we've gotten have been exceptional mm -hmm. from all over the country, mm -hmm. really good people, yeah. mostly young, because the young people will master that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, but uh, symphony playing, if I just did that, mm -hmm. opera's even worse, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> you sit for hours. Yeah. And, you know, I remember doing um, one of the Berlioz operas. I can't remember which one it was, Damnation of Faust or something like that, where I had 45-minute break, had to come in on a high F sharp. Now, that's scary. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and, and you're sitting there in the pit just waiting. You know, yeah. maybe, maybe if you're if you can, I, I where I sit at the LA Opera, I can't even read or anything because the audience can see me. Yeah, wow. So um, yeah, oh man. So, uh, but the opera is the most boring most of the time. Yeah, but yeah. The, there are moments. So Salome is one of the hardest pieces I've ever played in my mm -hmm. life, mm -hmm. and uh, it's not. I've, last time I did it, it was kind of nerve-wracking. Yeah, yeah, and like, cause like, at least in my experience, like trombones, they get a little bit more than we do, um, in terms of playing. Sometimes even like a lot more. But yeah. tuba, pretty consistently in every opera, there are just like large blocks of absolutely nothing. That's um, right. <laughs> so almost every opera. Yeah. Now Verdi, I do a lot of Verdi at LA Opera, and uh, that's. Usually Chimbasso, mm -hmm. although I played bass trombone on it a couple mm -hmm. times too, on Otello once and on uh, some Puccini, but mostly it's, it's Chimbasso. Mm -hmm. And I was the first guy to play that instrument in this town. And uh, then it, once Tommy picked it up, it, they started showing it around to the uh, composers, the yeah. film composers. Yeah. He was he knew everybody. Then everybody started using it. Now it's a requirement. Yeah. I wouldn't show up on a studio call without one, at least in my car. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And that's just, a, but it's made a lot of money on that because that's another 50%. Mm -hmm. You know, if I, if I have a chimbasso and a tuba, I have a double with chimbasso, I make double scale. Right, right. Plus residuals and everything else. It's been a, that end of the business is lucrative. Yeah. If you're working. Right, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, of course, that's a whole other discussion in terms of, I mean, in all classical music and film music, the, the one thing that they definitely have in common is that the overhead before seeing any success, it, it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, there's no way around it. This is what you want to do. It, you know, but it's like you, you buy the C, then you buy the F, then you buy the the chimbasso, and then you get like the you take forty auditions, and yeah. you have to spend a thousand bucks traveling yeah. to get to them. Mutes for all of them, different oh, yeah. kinds of mutes for all of them. It, it, um, yeah, it navigate. I would, I would like the playing itself alone is is tough, but like navigating the career, uh, it really does take. It, it requires just all of you as a human being. That, that's what I'm learning so far is that like that navigating it all, figuring out like for you, especially if you're not, if you don't come from money and just like, and I do think that in the long run that 
if you do make it, those experiences make you stronger. But, man, the overhead is intense. I know it. And I'm so glad I don't have to do it. And I'm so glad I, well, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't. I couldn't outplay you in an audition or other young people, my own students. I mean, they, they're just way tuned into it because mm-hmm. the LA Philharmonic's opening up, you know, mm-hmm. there's an opening there, and yeah. uh, you'd be a fool not to try to take that audition. Yeah, yeah. oh, no, that's that's, uh, you <laughs> that's know, what this binder is here. You'd be a fool. Yeah. And, uh, and, I was, and because I know there's about 300 people around the world that want that job. Yeah. Now... But I'll tell you something else for somebody your age. I play in four orchestras. All of them are tenured orchestras. I'm going to be gone very long. You know, I'm an old man. And my jobs are going to open up, and they'll be by audition. Yeah. Now, most of the time, I got into jobs by, uh, I don't know, I was the best player in town at the time, or, yeah. or my the first trombone player recommended me or something, mm-hmm. you know. But And I was kind of grandfathered, we call that, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, now these jobs all have tenure, they all have auditions, and but uh, there's a whole bunch of tuba players around here waiting for me to croak. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, being sarcastic. Yeah. But, yeah. But uh, you know, <laughs> if I was a young person here, I would be thinking about those jobs because within the next few years they're going to all open up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's um, I, I, at least in, in the little time I've been here, um, that's partly why I'm I'm doing this. Um, uh, I, I don't know where uh, innovation. You know, no one knows like when they start something, like where where exactly where it'll lead. But I, I do think there's a middle ground of like waiting for things to open up and just creating your own stuff. Well, you got to do the last ladder. That's one thing I mm-hmm. I noticed. You know, one of the things. Remember, I told you it was about a six-year period in the early '80s when I, when I went from 39 movies in '79 mm-hmm. to six in 1980. Mm-hmm. That was a huge income loss. Yeah. But I made my first two albums in those six years. Yeah. I I had to have a project, and I always have projects. Mm-hmm. That's what I've got. I've got three new albums mm-hmm. in the in the can fire now, mm-hmm. not in the can yet, but. Yeah. Uh, it's just what I do, a project. And that that helped me, number one, stay in shape mm-hmm. during those six years. Yeah. It helped me uh, um, do something that's lasting. Mm-hmm. An album is, a, you know, you should be thinking about these things yourself, you yeah. know, getting yourself out there mm-hmm. and uh, as a soloist. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, I've given away a ton of CDs over the years to yeah. my friends and to the, even to contractors and composers, you yeah. know. And, uh, uh, but it, it made me feel good about my own art. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also I grew and I grew and I grew. Yeah. Yeah. And then when the movie started getting better for me and by the way, 86 was also the first year of the LA opera. The, we did no opera in LA before that. Wow. And I happened to be doing some freelance opera work. So I, I got hired. Yeah. So same thing with, uh, Pacific Symphony, 86. They had a new hall. They mm-hmm. said, you want to be our tuba player? And the tuba player before me, they weren't particularly happy at the moment, I guess, but they they hired me, and I said, well, I'll do it if it's how I get principal pay, mm-hmm. same as it. And so they said yes. 
So wow. I did it. Now I'm tired of driving down there, but it's a great orchestra and it's a great concert hall. I love the way I sounded it with my big horn mm -hmm. or any horn I play there. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, but years ago, I started thinking about getting old, mm -hmm. <laughs> as everyone does. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, you know, I'm going to keep these tenure jobs because the studios are going to push, you know, they, old pe not very many old people in the business. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they, you get pushed out by the younger players, mm -hmm. the younger composers, what their people, whatever. Mm -hmm. I knew it was going to happen, and it did. But uh, I kept those jobs. Mm -hmm. So now I still have four orchestras mm -hmm. to play in. And mm -hmm. and with a pension, I have a good income now. It's even... even wow. uh, you know, I'm not doing studio work, mm -hmm. or almost none, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and uh, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. It worked out. I made yeah. a lot of good choices, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and again, like we had mentioned before, um, uh, still, I, I, I still think like the, the uh, and obviously, you know, you don't seem like someone who sings their own praises really ever, but... Um, you have to a little bit. Yeah, a little. Yeah, and it's finding like that, and and you have. So to, if I give a CD to somebody, yeah, that's selling myself. Yeah, but and that's and and, and I was just gonna say like that, like like doing a little bit of that and finding like your style in doing that, like because at least for, I'll speak like sometimes verbally just being like I am great or you know something along that lines like that works for some people just like verbally saying stuff. I think that is a little bit more of, of my style where it's like you have something concrete that you're very proud of and you can just like share. Um, and, but yeah, I mean that, that finding that like a way of doing it that makes you comfortable and, and like you don't feel like, like cringy just, uh, you know, of yourself. Cause you, it's very awkward, especially yeah. if, you, if you're not well known right. and you're young and you know, I remember my first album, I was in the early eighties and uh, it was a jazz album, and nobody except Red Calder had ever made a tuba jazz mm -hmm. album around here. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I remember giving copies to my friends, and uh, uh, studio musicians have always appreciated jazz playing. Mm -hmm. And I'm still proud of that album, even though I was not nearly the improviser I am now. Mm -hmm. But it's, it sounds good, man. Mm -hmm. I listen back to it, and... Uh, and of course, I gave copies to a lot of people, mm -hmm. composers, and most of my friends mm -hmm. that I worked with. You know, I gave away a lot of them. Mm -hmm. Nobody buys them anyway, you mm -hmm. know. So you might as well give them away. Yeah, <laughs> but see, like, even even that there there's like a gem in what you just said. In that um, you, you've you know very modestly, like you've you've said, like you're you're not the the very. Uh, you don't think that you were really ever like the the top technical player um, as, as a tuba player, but um, in making the albums, uh, bringing people together, whether that you're you're starting something or all this stuff. Like, um, it sounds like the difference is getting out of your own way and just executing stuff. Well, I studied with Harvey Phillips, yeah, in New York, and then once I was in his orbit, if you will. Mm -hmm. The rest of my, I was a, a young college professor shortly after, that was in the Army Band when I studied with him, but 
commuted to New York, but uh, later he was at Indiana University, and we I was at, at the University of Tennessee. He included me in all his projects. We were lifetime friends, mm -hmm. and uh, he stayed in my home a few times even, and uh, we had many a hang together, okay? Yeah. And, uh, but if you know Harvey, he was an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Tuba Christmas, yeah. look at that. Yeah. Cash cow for his family. Yeah. But uh, it's, it also involved uh, thousands of tuba players yeah. all over the world. Yeah. That's, that's just selling Harvey Phillips in a way. Yeah. He was very, very much for that, and I am too. Uh, not on his level, because he was incredible that way. Yeah. But he, his, his ideas just came out, mm -hmm. and, you know. And uh, you have to sell yourself to a certain point, but you got to do it in a polite way. Mm -hmm. um, you can't just bombard contractors and composers with your CDs. Yeah. You know, you have to have some. You have to kind of know them. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? You can't just send an anonymous thing. They won't even listen to it. Yeah. yeah. Or they won't. So what? There's a lot of good tuba players mm -hmm. around. You know, I mean, they're not tuned into you. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Necessarily. Mm -hmm. My initial work didn't come because of my recordings. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure how much of it came after them, mm -hmm. even. But uh, it sure made me feel good. Yeah. Yeah. To have something that's concrete. That's there forever mm -hmm. after I'm dead, mm -hmm. and uh, that's I guess part of my legacy, you know, is to these eighteen albums mm -hmm. and, and three more maybe mm -hmm. if I live long enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, it's uh, so projects is what I find now. A young guy, I would say, get out there and do a recital this year. Mm -hmm. so oh yeah, I, I have. Um, I, I was just telling this to uh, Aubrey. Um, uh, I'm, there's a church around here. I, I plan on uh, um, doing a 20 or 30 minute recital uh, once a month, maybe like 20 minutes. And then like every three, four months having a longer, like hour long uh, uh, recital. And it is ba basically the, the, the point, like if you know anything about uh, comedians, um, before they have like a special, they work their material out. Like oh sure, the clubs every single night, and I just I was like, man, like as a as a performer, I should not be like, I should not have like one performance a year or every two years. Like I, I should be working this stuff out like often. Well, I played lots of recitals when I was young. I never felt like I was a very good recitalist, but mm -hmm. but I, I I did a lot of challenging stuff, and uh, uh, but I would never begin to compare myself to Roger Bobo, who was. The most yeah. important soloist of all time, mm -hmm. I think he and Harvey, mm -hmm. to me, were the. Uh, but uh, there's a lot of good soloists these mm -hmm. days, and uh, just doing another recital is not particularly important. These days, you guys have all these tools like YouTube. Mm -hmm. You can have a whole channel there, and mm -hmm. and you can direct people to it. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're no. Nobody's making CDs pretty much yeah. anymore, and it's, my own students don't even have CD players. Yeah. So I, I used to give them copies of my CD. I can't yeah. do that anymore. Yeah. They, they won't listen to them. <laughs> they listen to some stupid MP3 download on their Spotify, <laughs> which pays me a, yeah. which pays me four cents, yeah. four, four point, point four of a cent yeah. per play. Yeah. It's miserable. Yeah. So anyway, but a guy like you. You need to have things going on that brings attention to you. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, 
I would, I've done, I can't tell you how many free rehearsal bands I played mm -hmm. in. Mm -hmm. And I still do. Mm -hmm. This David Angel album, which, I, you know, it's my newest one. It's a triple CD. I've been playing in David's band for many years. Mm -hmm. It's wonderful. Mm -hmm. I don't get paid a penny for that. Mm -hmm. And I've done the same with brass quintets. I've yeah. done the same way. You get to, you know, you get a, a group of brass players and maybe you have to be the leader. Yeah. Maybe you have to call the guys you like and, mm -hmm. and get a church job. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. And of course, teaching. Mm -hmm. You can do. You can always do some teaching. I, I feel like a, a lot of what you're saying right now, which is probably hard to teach, is is like an innate sense of just hustle. Like you just you think of stuff. You it might be something. It might be something someone's already kind of doing. It might be totally out of the the box. But like that sense of hustle and entrepreneurial. Like, it's, that's where I, I, like, I've said to, like, friends before, like, I'm, I'm grateful I was that kid in grade school that, like, I, I got in trouble, like, all the time, broke the rules all the time in that there, there were a lot of cons to that in the pros and cons list, but it just... But you learn from everyone. Yes. Yeah. And, and it, and it just, it, it... It forces you to develop. I didn't realize that at the time, but it just forced me to develop skills that like have now been helpful as a freelance musician. Um, in that that um, you know, and I'm I'm not trying to tr uh, toot my own horn here. It's just that like you're welcome um, to. Yeah, no, it's just it's just I, I've just noticed that a lot of like friends my age, and it's hard to to talk about that to them in that like. Uh, that that internal thing a lot of people have where you're you're just begging for someone to give you instructions that i'm i'm grateful to like not have that or i guess never had that i i couldn't listen to it it, it took me till you know federally uh when i got into peabody and he just i mean he was just this like immovable wall <laughs> that like he was the first adult you know outside of my home to just like really finally get me to listen and um then like you know and then of course just finding like but but it's hard though I feel like it's hard even you know with my own students teaching that fine line of like following instructions and knowing when to listen to yourself and like create something and not pay attention to the chatter whether someone's saying like this thing that you're going to do it may or may not work what like it it yeah, I mean to conclude, there's just there was there's value in in that I guess like rule breaking period of of my life, and where like you just don't really care what so, like some it's not you someone are, yes yeah. you have to have that attitude yeah. you have to say that this is important mm -hmm. to me, mm -hmm. and and you have to go on and whether it's important to anybody mm -hmm. else it may not mm -hmm. be, mm -hmm. but if you know you have to love what you do, mm -hmm. I have a a disease. It's called musicolic. I'm a musicolic. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how it came on. It's just that I, I can't live without it. Mm -hmm. And and the more I become creative as a composer and as an improviser, the more it's part of my soul. Mm -hmm. And it's wonderful at my age to still have that drive mm -hmm. to, to get better at that stuff mm -hmm. because you must do things that you like in your life or you won't be a happy person. Mm 
-hmm. And if you're not happy, nothing's going to work, I promise you. Now, you can't get depressed because you don't have enough money. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't get depressed because nobody's buying your CDs. You know, you can't. You have to look at in the bigger sense. This stuff, my CDs, are my legacy. Mm-hmm. They're going to be around mm-hmm. way after me, and my compositions too. Yeah. Those two things are more important. Or your interview with me is hopefully a, a positive thing for me too. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't, and you too. Mm-hmm. It's you know you do active things that involve other people. One of the things I've been very much into is hiring in my albums. Mm-hmm. Hiring great writers mm. and great players. Yeah. We're full of them in this town. Yeah. And I know who plays the great jazz trombone solo. Mm-hmm. Or I know the guy that writes great charts. Yeah. Yeah. Have you, I don't know whether you've heard my Christmas album or not. Have no, you? I don't think so. You should check it out. Okay. It's, it's called uh, Tis the Season Tuba Jolly. Oh. <laughs> but it's, it's 12, you have six euphonium, six tubas. Yeah. And yeah. it's charts that I commissioned over the years, and we played at Tuba Christmas. Mm-hmm. But it's a great album. Mm-hmm. Forty different tuba euphonium players mm-hmm. in L.A. played on it, mm-hmm. and uh, including Gene Procorni mm-hmm. and Tommy Johnson mm-hmm. and uh, many others. Okay, yeah. actually Tommy didn't play the recording; he was passed away by then. But uh, Doug Tornquist and Norm Pearson and mm-hmm. uh, those guys were my students too. And uh, I involved all the best players, mm-hmm. not just me. Mm-hmm. I played a little bit on it, I, but I produced it. Mm-hmm. It's a great album. Yeah. yeah. And great charts, because there's so many good writers here in town. Mm-hmm. And uh, every trombone player doubles on euphonium. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe not as good as Brian Bowman, yeah. but, you know, yeah. I mean, but they're, they're good musicians. They're not going to pick up a euphonium and play it out of tune. Right, right. Or miss notes. Right. And, man, so, again, like, like uh, a lot of what you're saying... Um, just so it's not going over people's heads, uh, involving people in everything that you're you're doing. It's it, and it's not. This isn't even like LA specific. This is just this is just anywhere you go. Like I I, I um, luckily the program I uh, came out of as a kid music program it was community based. So that emphasis. I guess was just a little bit more obvious to me than um, maybe someone who's just coming out of like a local youth orchestra that you're just like paying for. And it, anyway, it, it, it like when I, so I've been here now for, as a resident for uh, 11 months now. And um, my mentality before coming here was like, um, if everyone comes here with the idea and thought of like, what am I going to get? I just wonder what happens if I come here thinking, what can I provide? <laughs> that that was that was my mentality. I was like, well, man, like, how can you go wrong with that? Right. I mean, you can't go wrong. Yeah. I mean, I don't mean you're going to be the next Jim right, Self right. or Tommy Johnson yeah. or something, but but you are. That's a wonder, and that's exactly the attitude I had when I came here. I I. I came, number one, I had a, a library of tuba mm-hmm. ensemble music that I had written or arranged or collected. Mm-hmm. Tommy didn't have that. So we started, the first year I was here mm-hmm. as a doctoral student, that we had a, we put together a tuba ensemble. Mm-hmm. And, and we've done so much of that over the years. Mm-hmm. I brought something. I hosted a, a symposium in mm-hmm. 78, 
all that stuff is giving of my time. Mm -hmm. In fact, that one I lost a lot of money on. Yeah. But I and I about killed myself from lack of sleep. Yeah. But I'm still proud of it, mm -hmm. and it did add to my general. I think people think that I'm have some generosity mm -hmm. in what I do. This David Angel project, which I need to brag about because yeah. this is my newest project, and it's it's a 13-piece band I play in, yeah. tuba and bass trombone. It's wonderful. It's a triple CD. It's called Doubt on the Coast by David Angel. See, it was a rehearsal band at the Union yeah. for for uh, 50 years. Yeah. And I, I decided that I play in the band, and David has, doesn't have the resources or the... Patience, if you will, to make his own recordings. So mm -hmm. I decided to produce it, mm -hmm. and it cost me a lot of money. Yeah, but I'm so proud of this more than I am any probably any project I've ever done. Wow! And I'm just one of 13 players. Yeah. this is not all ego driven. Right. This is this is driven by me wanting this man's music to be heard. Yeah, and uh, I am part of it. I'm just one one. Small part of it, yeah. really. The other guys are the way better jazz players than yeah. me. Yeah, it, that that that's and uh, you know uh, uh, obviously people are listening, so that you can't they can't see what I just saw in terms of the the album cover and everything. But uh, the photo um, when you open it of of all thirteen of you there, like that that is a yeah that that's indicative of the the of the community mindset that like you you naturally have. And I mean that, yeah, I mean, you're, you're, if you're on top of your own stuff as a player, you're getting better, you're being kind to people, you're, you're genuinely interested in what other people are doing, you're learning from other people, and then you're also bringing people into what you're doing. Um, it's it kind of goes hand in hand. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's not very quantifiable, but it's, it's, it, over a period of time, mm -hmm. it, it does work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and it brings attention to you. It brings attention to to uh, your art, mm -hmm. your your uh, your uh, skills, mm -hmm. and everything else. You know, mm -hmm. but and particularly your personality. Mm -hmm. But it's also and it's also fun to, like like of course those are like the the I think obvious individual benefits. But then like when you're doing it and you realize mm -hmm. like man like I'm I'm like. Whether it's it's you you hired someone so you're you're putting some money in their pocket or you're providing a fun experience when you're on the outside of that and you look at like man like I did something to improve someone's life in like some tiny way um, it's 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 it you get addicted to like doing more and more stuff that involves people when you see like that smile on their face like. You created something. You brought people together. Now we're all in this room that, like, and, and you're on the outside of it. And you realize, like, this moment would not exist, and like all this good times. Like, if if you know internally, you just uh, we're just thinking about, you know, what can I do for me? What you know, how, what can I do to show myself off? And and then I think just again, if anyone, if you've ever done something like that, you get addicted to bringing people together and just seeing like yourself make that positive impact. Well, well of all these albums I've made, everyone is a different kind of a band. Mm -hmm. uh, jazz mm -hmm. quintet, uh, uh, a seven-piece band, a jazz band. Uh, I hire great arrangers. I hire great players. I pay them union scale. Mm -hmm. 
And so it's a job. I'm mm -hmm. providing work, mm -hmm. and that's important. Yeah. If every musician in the Los Angeles uh, Union would create one job a year, there'd be eight or ten thousand jobs. Wow. And and if you if you created you remember the union you created a brass quintet job, mm -hmm. and you hired union players and you paid them the right amount of money, you have provided a job which, sorely to, sorry to say, has not been too many of them around mm -hmm. lately. But mm -hmm. I realize that's pie in the sky. Mm -hmm. Not everybody is a leader. Yeah. Not, not everybody is a uh, organizer. Yeah. yeah. But if they were, yeah. there, there, people would be plenty of work. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's because, uh, I, I mean, I think part of it is getting out of that mindset of underestimating your own individual impact. Like, it's even as simple as, like, um, I used to be that person that was like, man, like there's no point of having a recycle bin because look at all this like stuff that's happening around me. Like what this isn't going to make some, but it's, but then like you, you start being like more, you just, you just realize like you put accountability on yourself. Don't look at what other people are doing. Just put that accountability in like what you want the world to be or just how you want things to end up. Like just, you can't look at what other people's morals or standards. Just be that example for yourself. And um, yeah, I, I, I think so much of what you're saying is is resonating with me. Like right now, um, I guess if I'm promoting something myself, like right now, like what I'm, um, uh, I, luckily I have a team of, of like people in my own neighborhood uh, here that um, uh, agreed to, to help me uh, figure out the logistics for, um, a block party we're going to have in, in late July. And my plan through that is, uh, writing, like writing in, in like a, applying for grants, um, to raise money to then pay like the photographer that would be there and then have like a, like a two hour set list of musicians, pay the musicians there. And, um, it, like so that that's something I'm working on well, right now. Well, that's a wonderful project. It'll not only bring your friends into these people you hire, yeah. but it'll bring your neighbors in. Yeah. You'll bring you'll bring non musicians into yeah. it. I think that's a wonderful thing. Now these albums I've told you about, oh, ad nauseum now. Yeah. The ones I the, the, this this quintet album. This is this is uh, fl this came out two years ago. Flying Circus, it's yeah. called. I wrote every note on this album. Oh. Eight brass quintets including one with antiphonal brass, two quintets, mm -hmm. and one with marimba and mm -hmm. brass quintet, three mm -hmm. movements. And it's, Doug Tornquist and Norm Pearson had organized quintets. Mm -hmm. They play most of it. Mm -hmm. I play on a couple pieces, mm -hmm. but it's mostly those guys. And every there's 25 great classical players playing on this album. Yeah. And they play the heck out of yeah. my music. Yeah. I'm so proud of it. Oh, and and for, for people uh, listening, um, all the albums um, that you have here today, and then, of course, uh, anything else you want to promote, like this is going to all be in the episode uh, description and also like in the social media posts um, as well in case like, you know, obviously if, if you're just like, if you forget uh, the, the title. So it'll all be there. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, th this is, this is amazing. There's not, there's not enough, uh, tuba music or just, and this you know, is different stuff. This, yeah. This is not, uh, 
your typical recital stuff. I've got a couple albums that are yeah. what I call recital type albums, yeah. you know, classical stuff. Yeah. But every one of my albums different, different kind of band. Yeah. Different kind of, uh, you know, and I, I know who the good players are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They'll work. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I was just about to say, like, this is not the, um, there's not enough tuba music that is outside of, like, the concerto sonata world. Like, just music for the sake of music. That, that can be country, that can be jazz, rock, like, just... Another thing I'm very committed to is so many classical tuba players, uh, I, I put them up for it. They make albums, great stuff, you know, mm -hmm. and... and uh, those, that's the only performance of some of those pieces they commissioned mm -hmm. ever gets, mm -hmm. like a concerto, you know. Yeah. You, you commission a concerto, it gets one performance, yours. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but I, I want to reach a bigger audience with my music making. Yeah. I want people to, to listen to this duo album with John Giardini, yeah. just tuba and guitar. Yeah. Pretty songs, nice, beautiful stuff. And uh, you don't have this, do you? Uh, that actually, this was the one you gave when I uh, met up with you in 2018. I still have that. Um, uh, really? I didn't think I made it that year. No, uh, no, I gave you the one called Flo Flo uh, "Floating in Winter." Then how do I? Because I, I have this. Oh, then, how? Okay, I don't, I don't know I'll, how. I'll give though. it to you if you didn't. Yeah, but, yeah. Well, this um, is my second one with John. Okay. I don't think we had this recorded, and uh, let's see, it says 2020. No, this this was okay. not. I wouldn't okay. have given you this. You so, may have gotten it someplace else. I think you. So, did you give me it, the the first one with John? Yes, it's called. Okay. Uh, it's called uh, uh, "Floating in Winter." Yeah, it's got a yeah. kind of a feather on the outside yeah. of it, and a little kind of a rainy scene. Oh yeah, you're, so you're absolutely because that the the covers. Uh, it's like a light blue. There's like yeah. blue. This on is it. the second this one, and now you one. own it. Thank you, man. This is mostly original. Well, half of the tunes are original on this. It's quite different. And John and I are making another third album now. Question, right? question for you, because uh, I imagine like the the ones with bands would be uh, tougher to bring together. But um, would you would you want to be on on like a like a block like a, a set list for a block party if you just maybe want to play like a couple songs? Um, like I get me, John and me. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you give a few bucks for us. Yeah, yeah, that would be yeah. Uh, that and that. So that's what the well, process I'm in now in sure, terms of we'd raising. Love, we'd love to do. We play out in clubs from time to time. Yeah. So we went to New York mm -hmm. about uh, three years ago. The Pacific Symphony had, uh, played in Carnegie Hall. Yeah. So I took the advantage. I booked John and I at uh, a jazz club in mm -hmm. New York, which is yeah, a pretty big deal. Yeah. You know, and a lot of the guys came out, the New York tuba players came out. And, but just to say you play jazz in a club in New York, yeah. especially a tuba player, yeah. it came off great. Yeah. And, uh, and it cost me a lot of money. Yeah. Luckily, I've had a good career and had a good income, and I can afford these projects. These yeah. are not cheap projects. Yeah, absolutely, which is, you know, why even, like, you asking me, um, if we can, I can pay you a couple of bucks. I, I don't, I, I personally, I don't call people if I can't pay them. Well, <laughs> like, you know, you're either a pro or you're not a pro. Yeah. And if you, not that you can't play for free mm -hmm. for your friends. Mm -hmm. Every rehearsal we do with David mm -hmm. Angel's band, mm -hmm. I, I don't get paid. Mm -hmm. and I love it though. But, and I'll go out and play in a club with him for 50 bucks, mm -hmm. you know, but, mm -hmm. uh, uh, I don't. I think you're either a pro or you're not. Mm -hmm. 
And a pro means getting paid. Yeah, yeah. Even if it's a small amount, yeah. even if it's a token amount. Yeah. There's a principle. There is. Yeah. There is. And, it's and uh, you know, some people have asked me about a lot of doing some free things. Well, I, I say basically no, you know. I mean, I, if it's a professional thing, you know, mm -hmm. I, I want to be paid something for mm -hmm. it, you know. Mm -hmm. Hopefully it's a union gig, but if it's not, and it's something like a jazz thing or mm -hmm. a neighborhood party, mm -hmm. I don't need to have a union contract yeah. on it. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah. But I do want to be paid. Yeah. And I want to. I did want to mention one other thing mm -hmm. regarding uh, some of the stuff you've mentioned here, and that is one of the things that my wife and I do now. We we we've established. Endowed tuba scholarships in about 18 universities now wow. all over America. And we did three more this year. We did, uh, well, we did Eastman last year. We did Cincinnati. We did Wisconsin, Eau Claire. We did uh, Lawrence University, Indiana University, Tennessee Tech. I can go on and on. Wow. And we endowed, every year we, we put a significant amount of money into these things. And we've done just did one in Georgia, Michigan, and I'm going to do more so I can afford it and uh, a couple a year. And uh, I've been doing this since I turned 65. Yeah. And uh, I'm, that's legacy, too. Yeah. You talk about paying it forward. Yeah. It's not a lot of money, maybe a thousand bucks a year, but forever. Yeah. Yeah. To a kid, you know, but um, it means a lot to me and my wife, too. It says Jim and Jamie self endowed tuba scholarship. Oh. And that's that's putting it around, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Most of these people I never know who gets them, you yeah. know. I try to ask them to communicate with me if yeah. they can, but most of them do. And but I wanna know if you were one of my scholarship representatives when you were at Pigo mm -hmm. yeah, I don't have one there yet, but maybe I will. Mm -hmm. Uh I would hope that when you have a success in your life later on, you'll send me an email or send, mm -hmm. you know or send me a program mm -hmm. or, or, or a copy of your CD or something. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Because uh, I want to have a positive influence on these young people, just like my teachers did for me. Yeah, yeah. That man, I, that's that's amazing. And I know we're um, about to, you know, we've getting close to the end of our time, but. Um, yeah, I think the last thing I, I want to say, um, and just in relation to so much of what we've said, um, to, to me during the pandemic, um, the, the biggest lesson I personally took out of it that I think everyone should is that, that I think we all realize um, how important community uh, is. And... Oh, yeah. And maybe we maybe we did, but I I think it's one of those things where like you don't think about because you, you you know it is, but more importantly, um, being an active member of your community that that second part is what made me realize like the uh, attitude of of being like you know uh, this would be cool or you have an idea and you're like this would be cool and then you kind of just sit thinking like, well, someone else is going to do that. Someone <laughs> else is going to create that. Like, oh. if I've learned anything after pandemic, it's that like involving people 
um, being interested in what other people are doing, involving people in my stuff and anything that pops up in my head that maybe beforehand I would just assume like, oh, for some reason I can't do or like someone else is going to do that. Just actively being that person like it and um, again, like, like we just said earlier, if you're in that mindset of just being like, man, what can I provide? I don't think you can lose. You can't lose. There are some things I told you earlier on that my 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 motto was do what you say you're going to do, finish what you start. Mm-hmm. That's going to almost guarantee you friends. Yeah, yeah. Because people will trust you. Yeah, they'll know if you say you're going to do something, you'll follow through with mm-hmm. it and do it. You'll be there. You'll mm-hmm. be there on time, mm-hmm. and uh, or do what you have to do. You know, and uh, it it it. it it really works for me. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine it not working for just about everybody. Yeah. Uh, we all are different, all different lives, different situations, but uh, I realize a young person like you is not going to have the resources that mm-hmm. I have to, to do all these recordings yeah. and other things. But I didn't either mm-hmm. at one point. Yeah. You have to realize my first... I, I bought my house. See, I had a lucky break. Mm-hmm. I bought a house for $46,000 wow. in Laurel Canyon. You've yeah. been to my house. Yeah, beautiful. And I've added on to it many times, but it's quite a place now. Yeah. And it's worth some serious bucks. Yeah. Enough that it gives me a cushion to make, to do have phil, phil, philanthropic things and mm-hmm. produce records mm-hmm. and other, do other things that I want to do. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, another thing I've found really is helpful is to. All my life, I've I've been active at the union. I've been active in on committees, chairman of the, all these orchestras I play in. At one time, I was in, you know, I was involved. I, I got involved partially to help make sure the tuba was a principal instrument. Mm-hmm. Every job, every union job, orchestra job in L.A. is principal pay. Yeah, yeah. Because I wow. got it in the contract. Wow. It it took years, in some cases. Yeah. And uh, plus. I lost some work because I wouldn't do it for less than time and a half. Yeah. And um, but in the long run, it's been good for everybody. Yeah. You got you know, those other guys after Tommy and me had to had to ask for it. It was yeah. just automatic. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, um, you know, I think so. It's something again. Something you said earlier about um, it was it was like you know it doesn't mean that these efforts will. Uh, translate into becoming the next Jim self or next, uh, you know, Tommy Johnson. Um, but it, it is, I, I like, yeah, I would, I would love to play on all, all, so many of, of the things that, you know, um, this city provides in terms of, of studio work. But, um, it, it's just also one of those things where if, you just work on having that character and those characteristics. Um, your success might not manifest into that exactly, but it's going to turn into something awesome. You, it just it, it is like it might not be that specific you, you, lane, you but don't, you don't know what tomorrow brings. Yeah, you don't yeah. know what this afternoon brings. Yeah. It's it's just that uh, you know you have to. The further things are out in front of you, mm-hmm. you it's vaguer. Mm-hmm. You can, you know, you can look and say, "Well, I'm gonna." When you're a 
20 years old, 18, I'm going to get a bachelor's degree, mm -hmm. and you follow it through. Mm -hmm. You can kind of predict that, mm -hmm. but you don't know what's going to happen in that fourth year of college mm -hmm. any yeah. more than you know you, you know whether this, the uh, there's going to be a thunderstorm tomorrow. You yeah. know, it's just so you live life. You make you make your happiness in mm -hmm. a way, mm -hmm. you know. And you you sound like you have a, a very good head on your shoulder. You're a very bright young man, by the way. Thank you. I was very uh, impressed with the dialogue you had with. Um, with Aubrey, and I'm sure with other people too, uh, these things will be to your benefit. The more people you know, the more you do your little podcast or whatever, yeah. you know, yeah. these things will be good for you. You know, you, you meet people, you, you know. Yeah. Nobody is going to be the next gym self. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's going to have yeah. the breaks I had or took the breaks as he had offered yeah. to him or... There's not going to be one guy to play in four orchestras in mm -hmm. L.A. ever again. Because mm -hmm. it's also, your, your journey is also associated with the timing of it all as well. The chances of somebody winning all four of my jobs by audition are almost zero. Yeah. And, and also, I've only been able to do those four orchestras because I, each one of them has contracts that I help negotiate yeah. that gives us time off yeah. excused absence as they call them mm -hmm. I, you have to do at the opera you're supposed to do i don't know 50 percent or something like yeah. that you know you have to yeah and different orchestras it's a little different kind of a contract but yeah. liberally i'm i have to get off things to do other jobs yeah. and i try to make the musical choice if it's a piece i want to play yeah. uh, rather than the financial yeah. issue yeah so but nobody's going to have my breaks in life mm -hmm. or my uh, ambition, yeah. if you will, my ego. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you all have to develop that on your own. Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, you, you, you may not have been uh, the first person to think of the ideas that you've had. But, like, again, the common trend I'm just realizing is that you you executed them, you actually did them. Like we all have great ideas, but then actually doing them and br like <laughs> bringing them out of our head, that's a whole other thing. Think in small steps. Yeah. Uh, uh, there was a movie I worked on a little bit years ago. Uh, what was it, darn? Uh, it was about a psychologist or something that was going nuts. And anyway, his solution was baby steps. Oh. I think it was a Bill Murray movie. I yeah. can't remember right now, but but baby steps it will get you. In other words, don't plan too far ahead. Don't. Mm -hmm. I would not plan to make a triple CD if I were you. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't plan to. Uh, 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 you know, you can commission music by your friends mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. Some of it may be crap. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a risk, by the way. When you ask somebody to write something for you, yeah, that's true. They they might, <laughs> and you are almost obligated to perform it yeah. if not record it. Yeah, and uh, I've been burned a few times, yeah. and uh, I'm very careful about that now. Yeah. The people I generally hire to write, or my own compositions, mm -hmm. I think is quality in it that that I can be proud of, and yeah. and not uh, have commissioned something that's not. Uh, 
have some legs, I yeah. guess, you know, that yeah. might interest other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, and you have to realize something else, I'll say, and that is you're young. Yeah. How old are you? Uh, 24. I, I just turned 24 uh, like a month ago. I'll tell you, something happened to me when I was 24. I quit yeah. smoking, by the way. Oh, wow. Yeah. Congrats. But shortly after that, I started smoking pot. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I yeah. haven't smoked cigarettes since I was 24. Yeah. 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 But everybody smoked in those days. Yeah. And it was just almost, I started when I was 11. Yeah. But something else happened to me when I was about 24. All of a sudden, I realized, I don't know why I didn't before, but I'm going to die. Mm. Um, this life is is only so long, and you don't know how long it can be. My dad died at 53. I've outlived him by 25 years almost. Oh. And oh. But uh, you have to take care of your health. Yeah. yeah you have to take care of... Um, uh, but anyway, you just don't know the future. Yeah. So don't waste your time with these huge projects. Mm-hmm. Where do you get some reputation and some money and mm-hmm. some stuff to take on the bigger things? Just mm-hmm. plan one thing at a time, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you can't think the big picture. You can't. Yeah. It's too big. Yeah. Maybe it'll end up being John Williams' tuba player. I don't yeah. know. But <laughs> but maybe, uh, maybe it'll be something completely different that you can't even imagine right now. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think um, from my own life, uh there there's been some benefit like uh you know uh growing up with like not a lot of of resources in the sense that um just making sure like you're good next week and like can I pay my rent this month and um there was some struggle though in then like uh there there this is why pe- people don't understand why someone who's uh, very poor then gets like a lot of money why they like flaunt it or why they would lose it so quickly it, it it's cuz don't you dare do that if that happens yeah no you. no I, I i will not but i'm just i'm very lucky to at least be aware of the psychology of it all and that like it took i mean it's it's still taking me a long time to get out of that like like uh it, it to 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 do things for yourself with like five years in mind is something you have to develop in your mind if you grew up worried about like think things happening in like that's, five hours. That's what I told you. I decided twenty five years to become a good jazz player. Yeah, that's a hell of a commitment. Yeah, and especially to stick with it. It happens to be that I love jazz. Yeah, so I I did stick with it, mm-hmm. but. You, that's a over the top, twenty five years. Yeah. You know, even five years. Now, you have to realize that in one sense or another, at least your whole life you're going to be a student. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But at least till age thirty, you're going to be actually studying. Yeah. You know, I mean, seriously working at getting better, mm-hmm. and then hopefully you'll have a job by then or something that yeah. that you can. Uh, Relax on that end of mm-hmm. it, but you're never going to be not be a student and learning. If you love learning, yeah, I love learning. I love history, yeah, uh, and and I like uh, you. You almost can't go wrong, and you know, I mean, but you can't plan very far ahead and be confident about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who could plan for the pandemic? No one. And what a 
you know, or the last four years of the politics yeah. in this country. How could you plan for that? Yeah. It just is. It's been an assault on yeah. our senses. Yeah. And uh, but you're young and you're going to have to solve these problems. Yeah. That I I can't <laughs> I can't yeah. live long enough to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh um. Yeah, like like you said, um, every every day is, uh, and unfortunately, when when this is said, uh, it can sound corny. It can sound like you're just saying it to say it. But when I, similar to you, when I internalized the saying, "Every day is a blessing," like when you really internalize that, you whatever fear you have of like what you're trying to accomplish or, or whatever, all that goes away because there's this blend of realizing it doesn't matter yes, and, chasing, and chasing it with all of your energy and all of your effort because you have the opportunity to do that. Like there's this blend of both of those things that at least for me, when I had that moment of realizing like, man, like I woke up today, that means I have another shot. That, that, it, it just totally erases any fear or any doubt that you have in yourself. It just, it just does. So, um, you know, it, it's just, it's, it's, I know we all say that, but you know, every day, well, you every see, day. You, you seem to have your head screwed on pretty good, young man. You do. Uh, you seem very logical. You seem, you know, you're approaching these things with a, a balance and uh, I, I'm kind of curious about you're almost uh, you're probably influenced by Richard White, right? A little bit, a, a little bit. Because he's from the same scene. As yeah, he, yeah. He grew up as a poor kid, and yeah. uh, also a minority, and yeah. uh, and the special the special um, kind of lives that black people mm -hmm. particularly have mm -hmm. to live is, is hard on us mm -hmm. for us white guys to know, you yeah. know. Yeah. But I appreciate it so much. Yeah. I, I was a big big active guy in the 60s mm -hmm. in, the, in the civil rights moment. Yeah. And, and uh, I'm so hopefully hopeful about the future yeah. now for, for minorities yeah. of, of every kind. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think for, for me, um, I, I personally resonate a little bit more with um, the, the first generation experience in that um, like first, I, I mean, my 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 dad has like five other siblings. For some reason, he was the only one that had this like crazy ambition to come to America. So if that didn't happen, I would just not be here. Those are your genes. Yeah, so. that that that's in that's built into you in one way or another. Yeah, yeah, and 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 um, I think I think coming here, him coming here, and my mom too. Uh, both of them coming here together. Um, and, um, I don't know, they, they, they didn't, they didn't come. I don't think, and I have three sisters too. I don't think they came here, uh, for us to fit in. I don't, I don't think they came here for us to like, to limit ourselves. Um, and you know, knowing like I'm the first generation in my family to have running water and toilets, it's like, I better do something with this. You better. Like I better, like I just have to do something with all of this opportunity. That's well, that's you know, it. when I was uh, my, my, when I was six years old, my mother uh, had a stroke, and she was in a wheelchair for the rest of her life, mm. and and her mind was partially gone, and uh, she was never the same, never really a mother. 
and then my father died when I was 15. Oh. I wasn't a poor guy from the ghetto, yeah. but I was uh, lower middle class, mm -hmm. I guess you'd call it, and had to, once my dad died, every penny, I was 15, mm -hmm. every penny I ever had, the first car, every, I had to go out and earn it, all of every penny I spent in college, probably the same things that you did. That's not an unusual story in America. Yeah. And uh, but the fact that my it's strange to say, but my dad died when I was fifteen. Mm -hmm. I grew up. Yeah. Yeah. I had to. Yeah. And I got serious. All of a sudden, my grades got better in high school. My I I started dating. Yeah. I started, uh, you know, uh, getting you know just and planning for college and yeah. and doing what I had to do to get there. Yeah. I've been on my own, basically. Yeah. And when you're on your own, you make choices mm -hmm. that make your life better. Yeah. You know, you're not subject to the thumb of a parent or a uh, somebody else, you mm -hmm. know, a, a boss. Mm -hmm. you, you can make choices, you know. Yeah. So I, I assume you've realized that you're going to die someday, don't you? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, and it yeah. is a limited thing. Yeah. No, nobody knows how long it's going to be. Yeah. But uh, when you get old like me, you're quite aware of it. Yeah. You know you don't have much time left. Yeah. And I'm still as ambitious with these projects mm -hmm. as I ever have been, more so maybe. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to hopefully die with my boots on, you yeah. know. I yeah. don't know. But, but I... Um, and you need to be thinking about it, in, not in any fear, fearful yeah. way. You could die tomorrow. In it's, a car more, it's more so. Like, it's like a respect for something that is inevitable. Like it, you it just, is you inevitable. It. And I'm not a religious person, but I do yeah. believe in uh, in, uh, in in uh, all those good qualities of say mm -hmm. Christian. Uh, you know the good qualities, mm -hmm. not the bad stuff. Yeah. yeah. But the good things and and. I don't need that in my life, mm -hmm. but other people do. I, I'm pretty self-sufficient, yeah. and uh, yeah. maybe it's my name. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I'm 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 uh, not particularly uh, 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 religious either. But there are kind of just like laws of nature that are independent of any of that that you just have to respect. Like, the golden rule. Yeah. yeah. Do under others as you have other people do yeah. to you. Yeah. And I, I tell my, you know, I, I talk to my students or whatever about, I'm not a, a black man, but I have to put myself in your shoes in some way to understand you, to understand what it, the fear you have uh, driving your car. Yeah. Or, you know, if I don't have empathy for that, how can I at all be a, a, a good human? Mm -hmm. And even... even before the empathy, I think the, the, the big step that might seem obvious that a lot of people don't take is, is just the basic acknowledgement that there is a difference between our realities. Like, it, like before the empathy, that has to happen. Just really acknowledging that things that happened before you and I were both alive. That's um, right. Oh, but, yeah. yeah. That's why I'm a history buff. Yeah, yeah. But like even just acknowledging that that difference is there, that is step one before even, you know, an empathy and wanting to understand. Um, yeah, understanding that you don't understand is really all you have to get when thinking about anyone 
not even just race, just anyone that's not you. You you don't you do not understand what that where this person's exactly. coming from, and that's that. Exactly, and I, I applaud the young people today that are sort of dragging us into more understanding of this mm-hmm. stuff. They have, they're the future. You guys are the future, along with all your technology, by the way, that is eating us alive, yeah. us old guys. <laughs> but uh, uh, you, you, I, have, I, I have a good feeling that 20 years from now, if I'm around, uh, and I, you'll have filled your life up with a lot of stuff. I hope you'll share it with me when you do. Absolutely. And uh, one of the things I do when I do clinics, I talk about connections. Mm -hmm. Connections are very important to me. And all the years I've been so fortunate to be with Harvey Phillips and Tommy Johnson, Roger Bobo, and as teachers, and and all the great tuba players of my time. Uh, I've been on the top of the Army Band with Chester Spitz and Dan Parentoni. These are connections. I tell my students, I, I'm, in the, I'm in the LA Opera. Well, he's not a, what I call a personal friend, but he's, we're friendly, and that's, that's Placido Domingo, the greatest tenor in the world, the greatest singer in the world, yeah. despite his recent problems. Yeah. Uh, but he's been at the LA Opera since the beginning. Yeah. And I speak to him, I talk to him, I've given him copies of my albums, and he's very friendly. So my students are... I think all musicians are only two degrees of separation from any other musician in yeah. the world. They say that six degrees is all humans. That's yeah. a you know common adage. Yeah. But uh, musicians is two. Yeah. My students are once removed from Placido Domingo, the greatest singer in the world. Wow. And I, how about John Williams? Yeah. They're once removed from the greatest composer in the film business of yeah. all time. Yeah. Uh, because of their connection through me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Harvey Phillips is their grandfather. Mm -hmm. And their students, I'm a grandfather to them. The connections is what I'm talking Mm -hmm. about. I can take my tuba and go to Nigeria and play with any guy sitting out on a log beating a drum and make music with him because I know the groove. Yeah. Yeah. I promise you, and I know you can too. Yeah. And I could go to Siberia and play balalaika music, or I don't know, yeah. whatever it might be over there. You know yeah. what I mean? That's, that's how we musicians are the luckiest people on the planet. Yeah. Everybody in the world wants to be a musician. Yeah. Everybody. They yeah. want to dance, if nothing else. Yes. They certainly want to sing. Yeah. And, or play an instrument. Yeah. They want to be, an, or be a, an audience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is part of it, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So, this is this connection that, we, and we're the lucky ones. Yeah. Those of us who can make a decent living out of it is a really the very luckiest. Yeah, yeah. Because we love it, and you know, we almost none of us are have anything we like more. Yeah, yeah. This man, this is. I mean, um, yeah. It, it's that that which I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm still. Uh, a, very, very early in my career, um, it's that balance of which I'm still trying to find of every day being aware of like the things I have to do individually, the the practice, the you know just the the, the stuff. But then, uh, just like you said, uh, being aware of the bigger picture and not not allowing it to like overwhelm you in any no, way. It can, but 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 
being aware of it enough for it to inspire your own individual actions because just realizing that though you're a small part your your what your efforts is what makes that big picture this amazing you know rich thing that other people can enjoy and um no matter what condition you feel yeah. like in if every day you get up and get something mm-hmm. done mm-hmm. maybe it's just half hour practice maybe it's maybe it's reading a book something that's active mm-hmm. that's, that's all you need to do yeah every day will get better and better and they'll build on the it, it's almost like a i'm not a psychologist but it's almost like a you can't go wrong yeah. i don't know how else you know you know it's almost like a it's so obvious yeah to, to, to you want to be happy in this world. You don't want to be, you know, uh, struggling all the time. I don't mean financially. Mm-hmm. I just mean, you, have, you mm-hmm. know. Anyway, you, you do sound like you have a. Well, you're very bright. I can tell you that, and I know you're a good tuba player. So, just get up tomorrow and get something done, and for the next many years, and maybe something will happen. Yeah, that's bigger than you can imagine. Yeah. Uh, I, I have no doubt you're going to have a successful life. Yeah, there's, yeah, no, thank, uh, there's no doubt. I mean, I would, I, if I could put money on it, I would put money on it. <laughs> it's not something you could bet on, I guess. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. But I, I, I hope I get this over to students too, because in a way you're like that with me. But. Uh, I don't know. I talk too much, by the way. <laughs> no, I, I do too, man. I, I had the, somehow had the audacity to uh, start a podcast. So I'm the, I, I, I talk more than anybody. But, but you're fluent. See, if, if you can talk and, and not have too many errs and ahs yeah. and some other stuff, you know, you can't be a, a news broadcaster if you're every, every, every other word you stumble on, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, man, I, I know we're, in terms of the podcast, we're, we're, um, okay. Uh, uh, I guess running low on time, but um, to everyone listening again, uh, the albums uh, that um, we've talked about, Jim's albums, uh, all, all this is going to be in the episode description so you know where to get them, where to check them out. Um, and of course, uh, Jim's uh, social media pages. Um, Jimself.com is yeah. where most of my CDs are available. Yeah, so, yeah, so all that stuff is going to be on both the social media posts, um, and, uh, the episode description. Um, yeah, on, on that note, uh, you know, I, I've learned a lot. hope everyone listening has learned a lot. Uh, thank you, uh, Jim, for your time. My pleasure. Um, yeah, this is uh, a song called life and, uh, we are done. Thank you. Thank you.